You want to learn something today, or you just want to eat pizza and go home? <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> it's always an option. Um, I'm trying to think of something funny to say again. Uh, <laughs> it's not coming up. So, we're in uh, Pirkei Avot. We're studying Pirkei Avot, and I want to start off with a question about dating, because that way, you know, it works. So here's my question. How can, is it possible to see someone for who they really are, especially when dating? Meaning, people fake it out. Come on. If you want something really bad, you'll play the good guy to get it. But can we really see someone for who they are, especially when it comes to dating? Or at some point you get married and you say, okay, fine, I'm done, that's it, I'm 35, whatever. Hopefully that's not the case, right? But, and you say to yourself, you know, I've been with this person for a while and we know each other pretty well. What else can I know? Okay, let's... By the way, what else can I still know is not a question. When it comes to marriage, at some point you dive in. It's not like, oh... There's nothing else I still have to know. The reason why people take so long is because they, in their mind they think there's still more I need to know. It's one of the reasons why people take long. But at some point you have to dive in. Okay, so is it possible that someone's fooled into a relationship? Can it be possible that someone gets fooled into a relationship? Yes. Yes. The question is, do you think that it's possible to happen with you? Or only someone else? <laughs> only the other person it can happen to me yeah, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what to do I can read people so the answer is yes and no okay that's going to confuse you but there is a certain point where you can't know someone there is an interest if they are attracted to you there's an interest and you have an interest in them so that means you hopefully are going to be in your best behavior when you're with someone that you really like. And for that reason, you can't fully 100% know the person that's in front of you. We can do some things to make sure we hope we know them well enough and we're not just going into a relationship with some crazy uh, drug lord. Or something. I'm trying to think of something funny, but, but also correct, so like no one gets upset with me. So um, you know, but you, you get what I'm saying. You want to have somewhat of a knowledge. So so there are things that we can do. Anyone give ideas of what we can do uh, to make sure that the person that I'm with is really the person that they show that they are. Ask other people. Ask other people. Stalk them on what? Everything. On everything? And everything and everything. Get them drunk. Get them drunk. <laughs> there is a saying, What does that mean? There's three, um, I guess, uh, ways to like, get to know a person when they're angry, when they're drunk, and how they deal with money. Yes, that's uh, actually, yeah. oh, that's what you're saying. Yes, that's a very, that's full of wisdom. It's a Gemara, the Talmud says, I thought you were saying in Spanish, Koso Caso, I don't know. If, <laughs> excuse me. Kiso yeah. is his pocket, Caso is his anger, and Koso is his cup, which means alcohol. So those are the three ways where you can see somebody. Why? Because that's when they're tested, so that's where you see their true colors. 
That's good. Anyone else? We said ask friends, stalk them. Probably not a good idea. Uh, see how they act in different situations. Right? Being Those around th- when they're stressed. Being around when they're stressed, which is uh, a good test. Don't stress them, but because then you're annoying. Yes? Hear how he talks to his mom. How he talks to his mom. It's a good one. What's his relationship with his peers and his family? Yeah, that's an that's a important one. Anyone else? Um, uh, cleanliness. Okay, yes. It says... It says... Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, maybe uh, cleanliness to, to a certain extent, you know. Uh, I, I hope you never see pictures of how I lived before I got married, you know. So... But cleanliness is a sign of something. It says when somebody lives in a pleasant space, his mind is broader, he's thinking, he's organized. It shows something about his personality or her personality. When I say his, I mean her as well. No one get offended. Okay? I'm just saying his because if, in case I'm bashing a man, it's fine. If I bashed a woman, someone's going to get upset with me. So anyway... Okay, I'll get, someone will get upset with me for saying that too. <laughs> Either way, whatever I do. Okay, but in any general, it's when I say he, or I mean her too. Uh, anything else? Yes? See how long their oldest friend is, like their oldest relationship. Oh. Okay. Hey, can they stay in a relationship? Okay. If it was too long, would that be worrying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, anyone else? Is it a red flag if they don't have childhood friends? Would you say? I mean, obviously, it's, it's, um, it depends why. You know, is it is it red flag if they're all bad and he, you know, he was in public in some kind of public school far out and, you know, the kids there are all just crazy and he was the only Jewish kid in class and he was known as the quiet kid. You know, maybe that that was a good thing. You know, so. Uh, I'm just giving an example where it, it very much, yeah, it's ju- it can be justified. So it's, I wouldn't say red flag means it can't be justified. You know, that's, so then depend also depends on you. Like, what kind of does an unsociable person uh, is he allowed to get married? If that's a red flag, then all people that are introverted should never be able to get married. If introverted people are red flags. They can never get married. But I don't, I don't think so. So, you know, it, it also depends on who's going out with them. Are they outgoing? For some people, that's a very important aspect of uh, attraction. Is it their virtue? You know, that's, that could be a sign of uh, communication. You have to know what the reason is that they're quiet also, you know. But it's something to be, if it's something which is concerning to you, then we need to find out why. What is it? What happened? Okay, I wrote some things, here are them. Uh, This you might not have thought of, but I always say it. Date seriously, so that you don't give them an ulterior motive. So, you know, the guy's going out with this girl and they know she's not, they're both, you know, they're in college. There's not much gonna happen with this thing. You know, they're just uh, dating frat style, whatever that means. So it's not going to last long. 
most likely he's trying to take advantage of her and uh, she's probably take advantage of whatever she needs from him and that's it. You know, because they're not dating, they're offering so much physically, intimately, right from the beginning, getting too into each other, dating for the wrong reasons, that what happens is you're basically giving the person in front of you a great reason to act very well so that he can achieve things that he wants to have and feel good. So uh, when somebody dates seriously, this is why dating is so important for marriage. When you date for marriage, yes, it's true. He can have an ulterior motive saying, oh, I want this to be my wife. But that's a big, that's a big leap. That's, that takes a lot more acting, you know, uh, to achieve that. It shows that really he's into this person for who they are and not for what they have to offer. So uh, that is so, that's a, one of the reasons why dating for the right reasons is so important. Second thing is, we say that the neshama, the soul, is expressed, I've mentioned this recently, is expressed in three different parts. In the mind, that's where the neshama is. There's different names for the soul. In our mind, that's where the neshama rests. But there's other names for the soul. Does anyone know another name for a soul? Ruach. Ruach. And that's expressed in my speech. Ruach is expressed in my speech. And uh, nefesh is also a certain aspect of my soul, which is expressed in my actions. So... A way to check if somebody is, you know, again, he could be acting on those three areas, but those are the three areas to check. What is that person's thoughts, speech, and actions? How does he act in different challenging situations, like we said? How does he act uh, in general when I'm not around? Just what are his actions? What is he doing? What do you do? What do you do in his spare time? Netflix? Yeah. So, uh, right, what is his speech? What is he talking about? Okay, so we have a conversation. The conversation's about my last TikTok update. That's my favorite topic, right? So it tells me not so much about what's, you know, what, what is important. Because when someone speaks, they normally think before they speak. We hope they think before they speak, right? So it means that there's also something you know, important to say. So the last thing is also what's in the person's mind. Okay, now it's kind of hard to know what's in the person's mind, but you know, when they're wondering and they're in all these different thoughts, so we can, uh, we can see that they're thinking about things. You can ask, what are you thinking about? This seems like you're deep in a thought, right? So those are the three things that really give a sign of who that person is, very important. Thought, speech, and action. That's where the neshama rests. And um, one thing's for sure. Just because someone looks, let's say, I want somebody who's more religiously inclined. Someone who's like involved with Shabbat. or Just because they say they do those things doesn't mean that they really are connected to those things. It's something which is very important to know. Just because someone looks good doesn't yet fully mean that they are good. Okay? Never think that because someone is a rabbi, he's now uh, above human ways and he can't, you know, he's, he's, a, that's, he's only, he's perfect. No, he's human. 
or, or you know, anything. No one is perfect. When we expect people to be perfect, we are shocked. No one is perfect. So that is also very important. Just because someone looks good is not an indicator that they are good. It's a sign that there's something, okay, you know, the way that someone dresses is a sign of who they are, but it doesn't guarantee that they are the way they dress. And that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, that's very important to know. I'm saying this because a lot of times people date someone that's more religious than them. And they say to me, I'm dating someone there. They're very religious. It doesn't mean anything. It could be they were born that way. It could mean that they were born into a more religious family where Shabbat is very important to them. But it doesn't mean that they are very connected. It doesn't prove anything. It can be. It's an indicator that they are connected. But it doesn't guarantee it. I've seen that a lot of times with people that have not been involved at all Jewishly and they find someone that's very advanced. I say to them, okay, that's, she's such a religious girl. I say, really? That's nice. And uh, why would she date you then if you're not so religious? So the answer is, is because maybe, we don't know, I don't know, but you have to understand that just because someone looks the part or says that they were born as part of the part that could be that they were just born into that way but they're not necessarily connected okay it's not only about what you do it's also about how you think about what you do i was born i i myself grew up doing shabbat my whole life but i wasn't as connected to shabbat as i grew as i am now back when i was 15 years old it didn't mean as much to me as it does today so, you know, when someone says I'm religious, it could be because I was born that way and I was just grew up doing those things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm connected to them. So uh, I'm saying this because across the spectrum, you know, we look at people and we judge them very much by how they look on the outside, which is, it is important. It tells me something, but not a guarantee. And that's important to know. So uh, why am I telling you this? Because I'm reading Pirkei Avot, chapter 2. Section number five, the words of Hillel, the great Hillel. He said a bunch of statements today that I want to read, and all of them are profound. He says like this, En bor yirechet, a pit. And he doesn't mean a pit. He, actually, many commentators say it means a field that can't grow anything. A bor aretz means a field that can't grow. It's uh, infertile, if that's the right way of saying it. It, it can't grow anything. So a person that's like a field that can't grow nothing cannot be someone that's sin-fearing. He won't know how to avoid doing wrong because he, he just, he's empty. A person, a person that is ignorant, he works, so he has a job, but he's ignorant in terms of Torah and mitzvot. He cannot be pious. You can't be pious if you've never studied anything. And he continues to say, lamed. A shy person can't learn. Kaptan milamed. And a particular person, a strict person, can't teach. And he says, Not everyone that has business is, means that they are wise or that they will become wise. Right. More business, more wisdom? No, that's not true. 
And we, we can all attest to that. In a place where there are no people, you try and be the person. This is extremely heavy and powerful. But I want to go through them and talk about it, connect it to what I was saying about authenticity and seeing a person for who they are. The first two statements. A field that cannot produce anything, that's a borer. That's a person that... That's a type of person that doesn't work, doesn't have spirituality, doesn't do anything. Sits in his house, doesn't produce. Like an empty field that doesn't produce anything. That kind of person can't know how to avoid sin, how to not make mistakes. It would be very, without his even knowing about it. Taking money from here, no, no one's watching. Taking it, uh, cheating. Well, no, but why? Because he's sitting and doing nothing. Not learning and not working. But then it says, Lo chasid. A person that works but doesn't have Torah in him, doesn't have any spirituality, all he does is work and make money, he can actually be a person that knows how to f- avoid sin. Why? Why is it that someone who works even though they don't have Torah in them, no knowledge of Torah and Torah values. Somebody who just works, he can't be, uh, he can't be pious, but he can be someone who can avoid doing wrong. Someone who works can know that it's important to not steal. He can know that it's important not to cheat. He can, he can understand the value of Shabbat. Why? If you're a cheater, you get fired. Sorry? Right, you won't be able to keep your job. What? Work ethic. That's the concept of work ethic. When you work, you get a certain sense of ethic. What ethics do you get? Uh, Just like waking up, being on a schedule. Schedule. Having structure. Structure. Uh, Purpose. Purpose. We have to say that your work is your entire purpose. Right? That's exactly what we're saying. Yes? Also integrity. A lot like what you do that people don't see behind uh, behind the scenes. Exactly. You get a lot of integrity. What about gratitude? You can get the opposite. But I'm saying through work, the opportunity is available to avoid sin. A person can learn. if If he wants to, he can learn through his job the concept of gratitude. The concept of recognizing that I had to work, earn my money. How can I take someone else's? I, I recognize the value of things. You see, so somebody who works, just by work alone, you can have a lot of values in you. So that's why it says, Lo chasid. He can be fearing of sin, but he can't be a chasid. What's a chasid? A chasid, not like somebody who looks like a chasid, although... That's where the idea came from. Chasid means mit chasid im kono. He does kindness with the Creator. What does that mean? He does more than he has to with the Creator. What does that mean? He knows that there's certain areas I need to be extra special. This, I know that I don't need to give that much money, but I only gave 10%, but I can give another 5%. It'll go a little bit more. A person that's doesn't study Torah, won't know how to take, it, take on another sense of extra. A, a little bit more. Why? 
What does that mean? And why is that true? Is that always true? What he's saying is something fantastic. When somebody has uh, no connection to the study of Torah, to the wisdom of Torah, to spirituality, although, yes, I know how to work and I can be kind in my work, but I won't know the boundaries of when it's good to go extra and when it's not good to go extra. The Torah, you have to understand, being kind can be cruel. Sometimes, when you give it to the wrong person. There's things that we do that could be, oh, I'll do an extra bit here, but then it's also being cruel to someone else. So to know the right balance of what's the right thing to do in every situation, of where to go extra, that needs direction. It's not that somebody who doesn't have the study of Torah can't be kind. Of course he can. But a lot of times without direction, the kindness can be misguided. And we need guidance in the kindness. We need guidance, guidance in living to our fullest potential. It's true that I can be, the world's my, for me to take and to give. I have the opportunity to do whatever I can in this world. It's all up to me. But without guidance and without learning, it's really about learning, then I wouldn't know where to put in my effort. It, being kind is such a broad term. But I need guidance to tell me where to be kind in the right way. Kindness is just one example. But all of the mitzvot are like that. All of the good deeds that the Torah tells us to do are in this way. It's a way of being balanced in life. And not going too far with good and not going too far with bad. So that's what he's saying here, which is a, a very important thing. So how do we have someone who's not an Amaretz? Somebody who's not uh, an Amaretz, somebody who's learned. Today, I believe that we have technology that can accompany us wherever we go. And we can use that to learn things. There are some amazing podcasts, talks. A person could be working in the kitchen, but listening to different halachot, laws of Shabbat, just different ideas. And listening to podcasts all the time can make somebody feel fulfilled spiritually. But also... It's an opportunity, like I'm anyway doing things. Why not fill my time with some wisdom? And I want to ask, I want to ask you, when it says that a, a person who is a boar, like a field that's empty, that can't grow anything, cannot be sin-faring, and an ignorant person cannot be pious, does he look pious? Do you think this person looks pious? If he doesn't look pious, then obviously he can't be pious. We're talking a case where someone looks it. He looks the part. He looks like he knows everything. He knows how to give off the image that he knows. Everything. What it's saying more than anything here is that somebody could give off an image that they are amazing. But we can find out. If we do the right things, we can find out that there's a lot that's behind this person. That is, it's all, it's all on the outside. It's all, it's all a cover. It's not really on the inside. It's a very important concept. You know, we think that the way somebody looks, you know, never judge a book by its front cover. That applies to people too, for good and bad. Don't think that because someone looks good, so they are good. We have to really find out who what their virtues are. 
Am I attracted to those virtues? What are their values? Not just do they look the part, but what kind of values do they have? Okay, so that's something to think about. But then he continues and says, A shy person can't learn. Question, is it good to be shy? At times. At times. Is it good to be as, which means bold, or uh, with chutzpah? At times. <laughs> Everything depends on the time, the place, and how much. Okay? Time, place, and how much effort, or how much of it is given. In this specific case, it says, En habayshan lomed. A shy person can't learn. You have to be bold. You're sitting in a classroom and the teacher is trying to explain something. You know that there's 20 people that all understood, but you didn't understand. You will not learn if you don't say, excuse me, I, I, I don't understand. And the teacher will go back just for you. Don't worry, the other people will learn too by hearing it again and again. But when somebody says, I don't understand, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? That is not a weakness. That is the best thing you can do to yourself. You're in a new job and you're trying to learn the, uh, I don't know, the Excel sheets or whatever. Say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I simply don't understand. Ask 10 times until you do fully and then you've got that conquered. You'll never ask again. But it's important to show right from the beginning, if you don't understand something, that you don't understand because you will never learn otherwise. So that is what he's saying here. A, look, there are times where it's good to be shy. It says that our, our rabbis say that the Jewish people have three things. They are Baishanim, Rachmanim, and Gomlei Chasadim. Baishanim means they're bashful, they're, they're shy. Rachmanim, they are merciful. And Gomlei Chasadim, they are kind. That's something that the Jewish people as a community have. It's actually what builds a Jewish community. We're shy, we're merciful, we care about somebody who's stuck. And we're kind. We look out for each other. We help each other. Suddenly, if there's something that happens that's a tragedy or something, everyone gets together, gives money. So many different chesed, or, uh, different uh, websites and pa pages where people are stuck or suffering or something. Everyone's giving money. It's unbelievable. So those are the three qualities that makes the Jewish people a community. That's what makes us. Baishanim, Rachmanim, and Gomlei Chasadim. So it's good to be shy sometimes. But there are times where it's not, and that's why every single time it needs to be thought. We're not shy always, but we should also be bold. Does anyone know when it's good to have chutzpah? When someone's trying to take advantage of you? Okay, yes. Well, in that way, I think that if they're trying to take advantage, either you walk away or you uh, say, thank you very much. I'm not sure if chutzpah will actually help. I'm, just th I'm thinking it out now. You know, like, it says that the way that a person speaks to you isn't always the best way to answer them in that way, right? If you want to calm somebody down, he, he's shouting at you. The be I'm not sure if the best thing is to shout back. You know, it just, like, just gets higher and higher. You're meant to bring his heat down so that there's actually some kind of communication. So... Uh, no, I just, I'm just thinking out loud now. When is it good to be bold, 
to have chutzpah. About doing mitzvahs. Right, about doing the right things. If you want to raise, if it's time for him to give it to you, and you really feel like, hey, basically the same idea of like, you don't want to be taken advantage of, so you say, hey, uh, you know, I've been working for you two, for two years, I really would like to get a high income. If that's the right thing for you to be getting, then 100%, you shouldn't be taken advantage of in that way. Okay? But to doing the right thing, you're putting on tefillin today, and your friends are saying to you, oh my, what are you doing that for? So what do you say? Do I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. In order to be a Jew, a person needs to be bold. In many ways, we need to be strong. That's what it says. It says, Heve az kanemer. Be bold like a leopard. Vekal kanesher. And flexible like an eagle. Veratz katsvi. Fast like a deer. Strong like a lion to serve Hashem. Strong like a lion when you wake up in the morning. Yay, let's go. Start a new day. Az kanemel means bold like a leopard. No chutzpah. Why? Because I want to do the right thing. So there are times where it's good to have chutzpah. Like when you're asking, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Okay, that's the time where it's good to have chutzpah. Sorry. There is uh, sometimes where it's bad for the person that's asking to have chutzpah. For instance, a child in front of somebody who's very, much older than them. And they start not asking them, hey, can you explain it to me a bit more? But like, what are you talking about? There's a certain point of chutzpah. By the way, that's very much to do with parenting. If a child sees his parent on the phone with someone who owes him money, let's say, where the heck's my money? What is going on? You owe that you've not paid me back. I'm never talking to you again. If I see you, right? So what do you think the kid's going to do? When he goes to school, the next day the school calls up, hey, your son is talking to his teachers in ways that are completely inappropriate. What's going on here? He's hyper. He's screaming at us. And what do the parents do? They say, oh no, what's wrong with my child? They bring the child home. They start trying to figure out, why is my child hyper? Well, where do you think he's getting it from? The last place, the last place that parenting looks for in their child is themselves. But that's the first place they should be looking for, right? The last place a parent thinks they need to fix is themselves for their child. What's wrong with my child? The first place that we need to fix is ourselves because children copy us 100%. It says... Maimonides says that when there's a, mitzvah, there's a mitzvah to honor your parents, kabed et avicha ve'et imecha, honor your father and mother. Maimonides says, you know, if you look at the Torah, it says, honor your father and mother, leman yarichun yamecha, so that you will be rewarded with long life. In this world, someone who honors their parents will be blessed with longevity, a long life. So Maimonides says, that's not just a spiritual thing. It's not like, because you do it, spiritually, you're going to have like some tremendous energy thrown at you and you'll get long life. That's one of the reasons. Okay, when you give long life to your parents, measure for measure, the energy of longevity will come to you. But Maimonides says it's a logical thing. It's a, it's a fact that when you watch, when your kids are watching you respect your parents, your parents are getting old, 
and they watch you look after your parents and they watch how you respect your parents, your kids will say, oh, I need to do that to my parents when I get older. A child is watching how his parent re, you know, respects his parents. And when the child sees that, he says, I need to do that when I'm older. And my mother, he says, there's nothing to do with, I mean, nothing to do. It's not only that there's a blessing that comes, that you get long life if you give honor to your parents. You get long life because physically that's what happens. Your child sees and he follows suit. He copies. And that's a very important concept. Children copy us. They are a follow of what we do in all aspects. You know, I always uh, talk about, you know, when, you, when you're sitting, eating food or something, and someone comes with a camera, you could be eating with your fingers, dipping it in ketchup, you know. Suddenly the camera comes in. Smile, you're live. What does the guy do? Yes. Yeah, he gets his fork, his knife, you know, wipes himself. He's suddenly so polite. You know, his fingers were all in the food a minute ago. <laughs> suddenly he's so polite. No, no, I'm on camera. Hi. Completely different person. How come? Because we, we, we're cautious about how people think of us. But when we know that they're thinking of us, then we get really... Our children is that camera. Our children is literally that camera that comes to us. And watch is what we do. And they learn, they follow. Why am I telling you this? No, you don't have kids yet? Because, well, I have experience, but having children is, is not only about the time that the child is born. It starts by creating myself. The better I become, the better of a parent I will be. Not when I have the child, but even now. Right now, whilst we're talking. Okay, the next thing he says is, and a, a person that's teaching can't be impatient. He can't be particular, that's the literal translation, but the concept is impatience. A teacher can't be impatient. Why? It's not about you. Huh? It's not about you. It's not about you, it's about the person in front of you. Very good. We'll speak about that a little bit. Why can't a teacher be impatient? You'll lose your students, right? You'll say, he'll ask, hey, can you explain that again for me? He'll, what will the teacher say? No way! I've already told you this five times. Why would I do it again? La Kapdan Melamed. This is not only for teachers, but also for parents and any form of authority. You know, in the Jewish world, we look up to teachers as one of the holiest things. You should know that. Hi, Julia. Right? We look up to teachers as a very special and holy thing. You should know that. You know, if, if we ask somebody today in our world, so what do you do? I'm a professor, PhD in science or whatever. Oh, very nice. You ask someone, what's your job? I'm a teacher for first graders. Uh, okay, that's nice. I'm an educator. But we should know that the PhD physics teacher, okay, fine. Is he connecting to anyone? I don't know. He's talking a bit about some kind of electrons or whatever. But the person that's talking to children that are five years old, six years old, is building lives. And in the Jewish world, we look at it as something of one of the greatest. Look, you know, this is what it says about at the time when Mashiach will come, when Messiah comes, 
It says, Hamaskilim, listen to this. It says, you know, uh, there's many prophecies about the future. That eventually there's going to be a utopia. And what, there's many prophecies. There won't, be, there won't be any more wars. Animals won't fight with each other. Very interesting. One of the prophecies is, this is our goal. Hamaskilim yazhiru kazarakia. Those that studied hard will shine like the skies. They will give great light. We'll see the light through them. And it says, Those that are kind to the public, those that are good to the public, who are they? Teachers, our rabbi is saying. They are compared to stars that will last forever. Why stars? Because stars, they seem as small. What are they? Insignificant. But really, a star is massive. Way bigger than the earth, than earth itself. See a star? What is it already? But really, it's way bigger than what you see. That is how we will appreciate the teachers in the future. Meaning when, when it comes to that, we will realize them, we'll recognize them like Kochavim. In Jewish teaching, Rav Preda, there's a Talmud which says that he, a rabbi taught his student 400 times the same Mishnah because he couldn't understand it. He never gave up until 400 times. And then he, the, the guy understood it, I hope. Right? But 400 times. That's called somebody with authority. It's a very important thing. Why am I telling you this? First of all, not only because you have to have this for parenthood. Not everyone's a teacher here. But impatience is so important. It's such a valueless everything. It builds worlds. Patience, not impatience. Right? Patience builds worlds. It's something which is extremely valuable. So that's why it's... Uh, he says, La Kaptan Melamed, somebody who's uh, particular can't teach. Someone else, someone said here something about being particular. You have to see the person, right? You said you have to see the person. Not, it's not about me. It's not about the teacher. It's about the child. What does it say? Chanoch Arpi Darko. Every child needs to be educated according to the child's way, not according to my way. And every child is different. Some are hyper. Some are smart in certain areas, some are bad in some areas, some are strong, some are into their look, some are not. Every single person has something. And the ones that we think are lacking, well, in that place that you think they're lacking, that is their benefit, that is their strength. That is where they can do great things. There was a kid in my school growing up, hyper, he was hyperactive. He was all into like death and all this weird, he was into weird stuff. He's like, but not into death, death, like he didn't want to kill himself, but he was into like, you know, like all the, the other worlds. He was into the other worlds and he was hyper, everything that you would imagine. The kid, the teachers hated him. Worst kid of the class. Today, he uh, does tremendous work for the community. He runs a Hatsala. Hatsala is like, you know, an emergency ambulance within the Jewish community. He does, uh, uh, he works with Chevra uh, Kadisha when someone passes away. He uh, helps in the whole process. He's like completely involved. All that energy, we need that energy too. So when he was young, all those teachers that saw that lacking in him, at least not all of them, 
some of them, right? They saw him lacking in something. That was his energy that he needs in order to change the world in his way. Because we need those people too. I spoke about it. The hyperactive kids are the ones that normally hire because they're the creative ones. They own the business and they hire the, the kids that are super smart at some point. Okay, so that's uh, uh, something to think about. Every, so every person that's lacking, we should know that he actually, in that place that he's lacking, is actually a strength. Oh, he's got uh, ADD, ADHD or whatever you call it. Okay, you know, there's a strength in that too. Because somebody who's like that can entertain people. You should know that. Because they're able to go into different topics. They themselves go ADD, so they need to make sure that they don't go ADD. So they're, all, they're able to entertain people a lot. Something to think about. Every single person that's lacking has something that they have to contribute in that place that they're lacking. That's what it says, as much as every person's face is different, so too are their midot different, so too are their personalities different. No one of the 7 billion people on earth, no one looks the same. As much as we don't look the same, we don't act the same and we all have different personalities. And for that reason, everyone needs to be looked at differently and educated differently. Chanoch says, educate a child according to the child's way, not according to the teacher's way. What's the goal? He continues, Shlomo Melech says, continues and he says, Gam ki The goal is that eventually, when the parent gets old, and he's not with the child anymore, the child's on his own now, what you taught that child is still embedded within him. That's the goal. The goal of education is that when you're not around one day, they took what you taught to heart and they still stick to it. That means that you've succeeded. It means that even if the child's eight years old, but the, the parent or the teacher's not around, they still stick to the concept that you taught them because they value it. Then we know that you've achieved the goal. Okay. Next thing. Not everyone who does a lot of business becomes wise. There are two understandings in this. First is, some people say, one day I'll make a lot of money, lots and lots of money. And, you know, I'll be busy with my business now. I'm young, so I'll be busy with business now. And one day when I have all everything set up, then I'll start working on my spirituality. I'll get more involved. I'll get more involved in learning. I'll come smart in Torah. I'll help the community. Don't say that because there are many people that did a lot of business and they're still stuck in the business till the last day. They said, ah, I need to make more, I need to make more, I need to make more. And they're 90 years old. All day they were just thinking about their business and making money and they didn't do other things. So that's why he says, don't say, that's the, one of the definitions is, don't think that if you keep having more uh, business and more business, you'll have more time to study because it doesn't always work like that. And then there's another understanding, like we all understand it. Not everyone who comes wise, not everyone who has a lot of property and a lot of money is considered as wise. Simply as that. It says, Lo lechem. Wise people don't have bread, 
doesn't mean that because you're wise, you're guaranteed to have money. And it doesn't mean that if, you're if you have money, you are wise. I know many people that have tremendous amounts of money and they are very foolish. You just have to go on Twitter. Okay, bash another one. But you know, somewhere, there's someone who's famous who is probably not very uh, smart and doing silly things, but yet making lots of money. So you say, okay, let me be like that. Fine. But you should know that it doesn't mean that there's wisdom involved. And in Judaism, we want wisdom. We want understanding. Because that's what's going to give us a certain sense of happiness. Happiness is achieved if we're learning new things every day. Okay, that's one of the ways to get happy. Okay. Last statement that we have for today. It says, in a place that there are no people, try to be a person. Now, there are two meanings in that too. Firstly, the meaning is take initiative. You're in a town where there's no synagogue, let's say. Don't say, oh, there's no synagogue, but I'm not a rabbi. Yeah, but you know more than anyone else. You know quite a few things. You know, you know Aleph, you know Bet, you know Gimel, you know Dalet. Whatever you know, you can teach. Don't say, oh, someone else will do it. No, if you can make a difference, then you've got to do it. If there's no one else doing it, you be the one that does it. Or let's say you're in an environment uh, where there's a negative conversation about someone. Bashing. For no reason. Seeing a person that's your friend in a negative light. And you're having a conversation. Someone starts talking. So it's not nice to break the conversation and be the one like, oh, you know, it's not cool. You don't want to be that guy. So what do you do? You let it continue. But there's a way to fix it. Throw in something amazing about the person. You know, I just want to tell you, like, unbelievable guy. You, may, you might say, that's stupid too. So then just go away. Don't be there. But saying something positive, like changing, that's being, that's in a place that there's no one. You be that someone. Why wait for someone else to be that person? You take the initiative. This is such an important, there's no mensch around there. You be the mensch. So that's uh, one way of looking at it. There's also a very important rule. As much as it says in a place where there's no one, you should be that someone. In a place where there is someone already, then why do you need to try and take over his position? You do something else. In a place that there is someone, then don't try and be someone. If in a place where there is someone great, why do you need to try and take it from him? You, do, you be your own great, but in another place. So, uh, that's one understanding, and there's another understanding. And the other understanding is, in a place where there are no people to help you, you're alone. Everyone is against you. Your parents, let's say, you want to start doing Shabbat, and your whole family says, ridiculous, what the heck, what are you doing? You want to do something Jewish, man, what are you doing? The whole family is against you. You try to be the person. Even though everyone's against you, put in, try your hardest. You be the one that stands up and be the mensch. Even though they are going against you and they're saying that you shouldn't do it. So that's another way of understanding it. Sometimes people, it says like this, 
ולא פיך. שלמה המלך says this, יהללך זה, let a stranger praise you, and not yourself. Are you going to start praising yourself to other people? It's cheap. Right? Hey, you know how cool I am? I did this, this. Come on. Let them speak for you. Don't you praise yourself. Let them, יהלל חזר ולא פיך. Let them praise you. But don't you praise yourself all the time. It doesn't look good. There's another, there's another way of reading that. יהלל חזר ולא פיך. Other people should praise you. But if not, your mouth should praise yourself. Right? If other people don't praise you, then take your mouth and say, you know what, I am pretty cool. Because no one else is saying it. Right? I can do this. I have the power. I can. It's important to be able to say that if they don't do it, I'll do it. So there's two ways of understanding this statement. Okay, do you have some time for a story? You want to hear a story? I heard an amazing story. And it, okay. And it connects, to, it connects to this idea about kids. That if they have a lacking, they also have something that they can add as well. Here's the story. There's a great rabbi called uh, Rabbi Melech, who lives uh, in Boropak. He's a Hasidic, Hasidic rabbi. And he's a, uh, a badchan. I don't know how to say that in English. But he's like, uh, he goes to weddings, he makes jokes, and he entertains people. And he, he tells an amazing story about himself. He says that he himself uh, is... Uh, his father was originally married to another woman and they had many children and at some point his uh, stepmother she got sick she had the cancer and she passed away and uh, he this rabbi was born from the second relationship from the second marriage but when she passed away there were a bunch of young kids five six kids and they didn't have their mom. She passed away. And some of the kids didn't really understand. But there was the older kid, was a boy. And after they sat Shiva, so the seven days of mourning, after this, and people visited, it was very difficult, very hard for him. And everyone was coming in, the whole community was trying to support. And as soon as everyone left, and after the Shiva, the child started screaming. And he was screaming in front of the father and a few of his family members. He was screaming and all the kids were there. And he was screaming, I want Ima. I want Ima now. Where is Ima? Where's Mama? And screaming, screaming, screaming. They didn't know what to do. They said, come. But they took him to somewhere else. He's screaming, I want Mommy. So they looked at the, ki- the other kids and other people. Because this, ra- this father was a big rabbi. Other people looked at the rabbi and said, how can... How can, how can a child cry like this? How, what do we do? And the father says, I believe that these tears don't go empty. Even these tears. She, she can't answer. She's not alive anymore. But these tears don't go empty. Something will come out of them. The story, cut the story short. Uh, Rav Melech, from his, this rabbi that's telling the story, says that many, many years later, this kid that was crying for his mom couldn't get married. He was on dates for many, for many months and he was already getting an older guy. 
And in the Hasidic community, you get married very young. And he went on many dates, but it just wasn't working. And he couldn't find the one. Eventually, he found a girl. Amazing girl, young, beautiful, everything. And he got engaged. Gets engaged. And a few months later, he tells his, uh, he tells his, his kala, his bride, that I have to go to my, we have every year, the yacht site, the year, the day that my mom uh, passes away, the day that my mom passed away. We have to go and we pray at the grave. So we have to go. And I have to travel, whatever, another place. But I can't, I have to go on this and this date. So she says, well, but I want you to be, I want you to be here. He says, why? He says, because that date is my birthday. She says to him, that's my birthday. So he says, uh, okay, I will. I'll, I'll stay, I won't go. He calls his family. He tells his family, I'm not going to be able to go. They say, why? Because my new kala. It's her birthday exactly on the day that it's the day that mom passed away. So I can't go. I said, what do you mean it was the day that she, that's her birthday? So she, can you ask her what time she was born? He asks, he asks, they ask her. He asks her what time she was born. The same hour. The same hour that this person, his mom passed away. This girl was born. And uh, it took, she was only 18 years old when, when they got engaged. Okay, Hasidic, they get married young. She was 18 year, uh, years old when they got engaged. He was around, I don't know, 10 uh, when, his, when his mother passed away. 10, 11 when his mother passed away. And uh, uh, yeah, you make the calculation. He was around 10. <laughs> He was around 10 when his mother uh, passed away, and uh, it, he was waiting. He was waiting for this, for this girl, and uh, it happened to be that that was the date. So we never know, and this is the story that this, this rabbi says, the tears, or the pain, or the difficulty, or the challenges that we go through, what, there's an anguish, there's a pain, there's a cry, it hurts. But we never know what those prayers do. We don't know the power of what it can do in the future. And he's sure that the prayers of this child is what brought him his spouse uh, at some point later on in time. So that's an amazing thing to think about and uh, uh, connect it to the story of the child. You know, that we were talking about children. When we see some children, we see they're lacking. Some children have something. We don't know the bigger story of each person. And every single person, even though they might be lacking in some ways, they might have something that you don't know that they need to be lacking in because there's other energies that they can contribute with. Anyway, thank you all for being here and uh, for joining.